Welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today's guest is George White. George is the Managing Director of Agreco Australia Pacific and has worked with the company for the past 22 years and has served as the Managing Director for the past eight years. Agreco is a world-leading provider of mobile module power, temperature control and energy services and was the Hire and Rental Industry Association 2021 Rental Company of the Year. During the podcast, we learn a little bit more about George, the history of Agreco, some of their long-term goals around becoming a net zero business across all services and a range of other topics. George, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you first became involved in the equipment rental industry? Yeah, sure. I, um, look, I joined Agreco about uh, just over 20 years ago. I think it was uh, 1990, uh, in 1999, yeah. And, and at the time, Agreco were looking to introduce a, a new product range. It was the heating and cooling range. And, and, um, and I, at, at the time, I was working in business development in the HVAC sector. And, and you know, I was approached to, to look at this opportunity and it, to, to me, I knew nothing about the rental industry at all, but it, it caught my attention, something that was really challenging, something new, having capital equipment, and then you're trying to get a return on this. And, uh, and at the time, there was none of that, that's, that, that equipment in the market. So I thought, wow, that's something different. That's very unique. Um, so the challenge really excited me. But, you know, it was when I got involved, I realized it wasn't about the equipment, it was about the service. You know what I mean? But I didn't realize that until I got involved from the outside, especially if coming from capital sales. It's completely different. But when I got there, you know, I just loved the challenge. You know, I, I realized it was, um, it's different. Um, you know, I just loved the urgency, the problem solving that, that happens every day and, and also the opportunistic environment that's created in the, um, in that, in that uh, industry. And, and it really was every day there was a challenge, but it was a great opportunity if you got it right. So yeah, you know, I just fell in love with it. And, and you know, over, over 29 years ago, but um, and even now, you know, I always remember it's all about uh, compared to maybe capital sales, it feels like you need to be more agile, yeah, but you can easily get things wrong and lose money. So, in my mind, I've always reminded remind myself about you know, you've got to be prepared and, and be opportunistic, and preparedness speaks opportunistic is, is typically how you make money, you mm. know, in this industry. But it was a complete contrast, um, to you know, what I've been used to before, but um. It's certainly something that just, it's a great connection for what I enjoy, for sure. That's awesome. I heard a saying once when it comes to a service-orientated business, it's the salesman sells the first and the service team sell the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Open the door for the rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So then, so you joined the business in 1999. How did you evolve your role then over those years? I came in, uh, we introduced it. So it was more business development. Uh, and uh, before I knew it, I was, I was in charge of a depot. It was up in Brisbane. And um, and I got expanded role there. So, you know, it was a great, especially being a depot manager in, uh, in the rental industry. You just learn everything. You know, it's all there. And at the time, it was... It was also where it was decentralized. So it was cash collections, you know, sales, uh, maintenance, procurement, and, um, and, and everything. So, you know, for me, it was just great, that, that model of depot manager. And I learned that. Then from there, I went on a national role, uh, product manager, then sales director. Then, then I was a general manager for a while, uh, area general manager, then, then 
lastly MD, I've been there for over eight years, nine years, and I've also got a global role for, for the mining sector as well for the company. So, you know, I've had a great apprenticeship, you know, over that period of time, and, and I really, I, I do feel connected still to the front end of the business, of, of keeping the business at the back very dynamic, because that's what makes it happen. So, yeah, it, it's been a, a great journey for me, you know, right through each of these positions that I've had. Very fortunate. Yeah. How beneficial do you think it was really working through those various roles and then moving into the MD position now, like to have that that influence and that experience <laughs> and understanding what people do on the day-to-day as well at those various levels? Yeah, look, I especially now, you know, from, from where we are, we've, we've centralized a lot, which is quite common with today's technology. But the fundamentals of people at the front end of the business, you know, staying engaged with them, supporting them, Are you spending your Fridays doing manual data entry? What could you replace that time with? Closing more deals? Spending time with family? What if you found a platform that could give you back your time and you got to choose what you wanted to do with it? Arrow is the sales and growth platform built for you. A simple and powerful way to close big deals. Unlock your growth today and visit www.try.rentalarrow.com. Again, that's www.try.rentalarrow.com. Now back to the podcast episode. It doesn't matter what you do at the back. You know, they're the people that, uh, you know, get out of bed on a Saturday at seven o'clock in the morning and make it happen. And to me, it's all about supporting them. You know what I mean? In every position that you've had, it's always been about what do we need to do to support that front end of the business uh, and the impact of your decisions uh, to the people at the front end of the business as well. And, and I've always felt connected. You know, I think I was, I was fortunate enough to start at the front end of the business. So, you know, I've always felt connected to the technicians or the sales or, or the admin. And, and I've always, um, you know, got a good sense of the, the customer base by, you know, having spent time in, in the front end of the business. So it's been a great apprenticeship, you know. And I can say, you know, not everyone would maybe need that, but maybe my style of learning, it, it was very beneficial to me. Mm. especially now where we've been, you know, transforming the business, you know, just the understand of the things that you really need to preserve that has an impact if you don't get it right. You know, I, I think that's uh, what I, I never lose sight of, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely can't, can't agree more. So, so obviously Agreco is a very big company, <laughs> but it would be great to, to learn a little bit about the, the history and the rapid growth of, of Agreco as well. So maybe can we talk a little bit maybe about the roots of the company uh, when they first got into rental and their growth and expansion into Australia a little bit? Yeah, sure, sure. So let me take you back. It started over 60 years ago. Now the company has been uh, predominantly a Scottish company or UK company for, for most of that time. However, it, uh, it originated actually in Holland and uh, the name is quite a weird name, but it's a fusion of of the owner, uh, which his name was Koopman, and also the, the, the Dutch in, in, in uh, generation, his generator is Agrakan, Agrakatan, if I can say that right. So Agreco was born, it was a bit of a fusion of the name from there. And at the time, it, it was uh, you know a small company that was doing specialised power generation for the oil rigs. And, and um, so again, still specialty. And um, doing offshore, and it was a company, Christian Salveson, that uh, purchased the company, they uh, based it in Scotland, and they had quite a footprint in the oil and gas sector, uh, Christian Salveson, 
uh, you know, as big as lease, at least even lease um, uh, oil rigs. So quite a big player. They're a family-owned company, but quite a big player. But from there, probably the next big move was it, it moved into America. And again, through its connections, through a specialty approach in the oil and gas, uh, from there into Houston, they purchased a heating and cooling company in the petrochem space. Uh, and, and it's kind of just evolved um, into other sectors within the, uh, the American uh, business. So very much started off in Europe and the UK. And um, and then from there, the next big move was when it went global outside of these continents into developing its power projects business. So it, it, uh, it set up a base in Dubai. And, you know, at the time, there was quite a demand from, you know, developing countries looking for stability on the grid, you know. So Agreco was... And it could have been even from a natural disaster, such as Sri Lanka many years ago. It was a three or 200 megawatt project. It would go and mobilize and do projects within some of these hostile or, or third, world, third world countries and provide some stable power. Um, and, and that was a real acceleration uh, to the business from you know, day-to-day rental in the mature market of America and, and, and Europe to this power project business entering a variety of countries uh, in, in its scale. And just before that, the company actually listed in the, the UK Stock Exchange. Yeah? So obviously it, it, it helped with the, the funding and the acceleration of that growth uh, into these uh, developing countries. But you know, I joined the company over 20 years ago and, and certainly you know, what I've seen in that period of time, entering some Africa, South America, it, it was amazing. And the company for a while was in the, the top 100 companies in the uh, in the UK. And, and for a period of time, it was actually the fastest growing company in the UK for a period of time there when it was operating. So it was an amazing uh, growth uh, over a period of time. And now it's, it truly is and operates as a global company in, in the rental space. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And when was the growth and expansion into Australia? Yeah, that was about uh, just over 30 years ago, 1990. And um, so they entered Australia, it was an acquisition. And, and at the time, they, when we think about innovation, the innovation at the time was that we were the first company to have a one megawatt of power in a container. So, you know, that, that, was, the, that was the uniqueness about it. And, um, and we were providing power to some of the, the remote power for, for mining at the time. So we were one of the first companies to do that in a one megawatt container. And also, we, we had an agency agreement when we first came here with Coates. And so we, we were a bit of a specialty arm for Coates Hire as well. And um, then obviously from there, we, we went our own way and you know, we ended up growing to have about over 20 facilities across the whole area of the uh, Australia Pacific now. Wow, that's an amazing story. And, and even just like reflecting back on those those 20 years, as you said, it's amazing yeah. to see how a company can grow so much in just 20 years even. Yeah, well, it was 30 years, 30 years in Australia. So I've been here 20 years. But it's, um, you know, what we've done since I was here has been phenomenal around the world. It's been very exciting to see uh, that rapid growth, for sure. Mm. And Agreco is quite unique as well in the fact that it's probably one of the only true global rental businesses in the market. Most rental businesses in large ones are very specialist in a region. And so being a, like an actual global business, it's, it's quite unique. So how many countries 
that all regions does Agreco operate in? And how does Agreco manage that expansion? Because it is a big challenge to sort of yeah. operate in so many lo- locations. Yeah, look, I must say it's it's been interesting to watch how we globalize the company. And there's been a couple of fronts. So, so to, ask the question, to answer the question, we're in over 80 countries uh, in, in over 200 service centers, plus we've got projects as well on top of that um, in various countries. Um, and if I think about one of the uniqueness things that we, we did from day one for a long time now is, is the, the equipment itself. You know, the equipment is, you know, it's always designed to both operate in, in various climates, various continents. And, and you know, one of our, our key things is maintaining equipment that's mobile and modular and transferable around the world, which is very unique just in general, you know. Um, so there's a lot of control and quality that goes around that. And as an example, we've got the same equipment that, you know, I look after mine. We've got a mine site in um, in North Canada where it gets to minus 30, minus 40. <coughs> and uh, we're operating generators there. Same, same technology that we've got in the middle of Australia where it's 40 degrees heat, 50 degrees heat. Yeah. And, and to get to the mine site in, in Canada, it's on ice roads to get there. You're on an ice road. Yeah. And it's, it's here, it's in the outback here. So. So it's very much a big investment in having mobile modular equipment that can move with the markets and it helps de-risk the opportunity. It helps us capitalise an opportunity. So, so that's been a big play in what we do there. Uh, people as well, uh, we're well connected. We always think global um, and we're incentivised globally as well. So, so everything that we do, there's a lot of sharing of expertise around the world. Um, so that's that's a big play. And then, then one of the things that we've focused on the last five years, it sounds a bit like a, a movie, a, a Apollo, one of the Apollo space movies, is that we've got uh, all our equipment is connected digitally and it, it goes to the remote centre in Houston. Yep. So all around the world, you know, we've got people in Houston that analyse, they've got information on the equipment, uh, its operation, and, you know, we've got data analytics and, and uh, any any issues, et cetera. Uh, so it's very, very connected around the world. So, you know, it's been a, a bit of a mindset to continue to stay global, at global. Uh, there's no boundaries at all that we, we operate in. And probably the last one, if I think about global, is maybe the customer base. Uniquely, you know, one of, one of our teams somewhere would be supporting some customers uh, that are global, such as uh, Chevron or, or maybe the Bechtels of the world or, or if I think about mining, you know, we do work with mining here and also in Chile. We've done work with them in Chile. And some of these customers are quite global too nowadays. So, uh, or, or if I think about data centers, one of our newer sectors, uh, Microsoft, you know, they've got a lot of global teams. Uh, and if I think about uh, events, Commonwealth Games or the Olympics, we've been doing most of these global events. And it's people that operate centrally. And we also have people centrally that support them. So it truly is a global approach that we take. And we try to leverage that as our value proposition at the same time. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to think of, out of all the rental companies in the world that there's very little that are actually a true global company. And it's probably something that Greco should be very proud of. Because as you mentioned, the thing that I really find interesting is if I live in Australia and I want to move overseas, there's an opportunity within a Greco to maybe transfer or learn from another yeah. country. It's it's a great uh, learning opportunity and expansion opportunity, both for the employees and the company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that, uh, you know, very proud of as well, you've, you know, when we started moving into some of these continent, continents, you know, it was, it was 
you know, people would go in there to set it up and so on. But it's all local people that are operating in, in, in um, South America, in Russia, you know, in Asia. You know, it's very much, you know, we go there, it gets set up, and it's, it's all the leadership, right down from the leadership to the people at the front end. It, it's all uh, people from the, the, um, the local countries that um, look after these um, uh, businesses, for sure. Wow. And so I read on the Agreco website that you're targeting to be Net, a net zero business across all your services by 2050. Can you expand on, on what that means and, and what the details are? Yeah, look, I think it's uh, it's exciting, you know, just to, to start off. I think, uh, it, as you're aware, it's, it's a topic all the time. But you can appreciate, if you think about Greco and, and think about the energy transition and, and what's happening globally and the amount of attention, you know, we've got a big investment into diesel and gas and power assets. So, Obviously, it's been front of mind for the company for a while. And we've, we've had a strategy you know, in place for a while, actually. It's called the 4D strategy. And, and the 4D strategy was always looking at the macro trends to do with digitalization, decarbonization, decentralization, and demand growth. And, and last year, uh, you know, globally, we announced our energy transition strategy to address them. And um, you know, we made some bold uh, commitments uh, that we're, how we're going to get there and the targets. And so the 2050 target is net zero. So that, that, that sounds a long way off, but it's a very bold commitment when you think of our business today. But the thing is a leader in the business and that we're all focused on in the business is, is the path towards that. So what we've got at the moment and what we're focused on is the next 10 years and, and how do we get there in the next 10 years? Um, and there's three, three priorities that we've got there. One is, is to reduce the diesel consumed by our customers by 50%. Yep. So we need to do that in the next 10 years. Uh, and a lot of that is shifting them to maybe cleaner fuels or maybe take them from diesel to gas, you know what I mean, as, as an example. So but a big shift by saying 50% in the next 10 years. The other one is, again, to reduce the, to create a cleaner air. So 50% emissions, again, in the next 10 years. Um, and we've introduced things like batteries and solar into the business as well. And then lastly is, is be net zero for our own operations in the next 10 years. So the use of energy for our own facilities and our products. Um, so again, what we're doing there is we're, we're getting a baseline of what we consume for things like our facilities and our vehicles and thinking about what we can do in the next 10 years. So again, as much as we've got our, our fifth, you know, the 2050 is the target, it's, and it's, it can be seen as aspirational. You know, it's a massive transformation, but we are very clear on what we need to do in the next 10 years and support our customers, et cetera. And, and you know, just to share with you what we've been doing in the short term, you know, what we've experienced is there's been a, you know, a really good collaboration with our customers. So there's a lot of customers now that are on the same journey. So, you know, that has been a very important um, roadmap to share with customers and, and understand their, their journey as well. Um, but, you know, we've invested in, uh, you know, battery technology. We bought a battery integration company about four years ago. Uh, we've now got solar, uh, solar power projects. Uh, we're looking at different alternate fuels and tier five technology. So we've really started that journey. Uh, we're certainly on the right direction where we're headed. So it's not just a, a, a vision as such, 
it's very much a reality. And the other thing that we've got that's more visionary is that, you know, what happens after 10 years? You know, we've got a, uh, teams that are looking after hydrogen. We're looking at hydrogen. And, and we've got a big investment plan in CapEx. And at the same time, we've got an R&D team and an innovation team. So you can imagine, you know, a company that focuses on energy. It's a massive thing we need to get right. But it's also, as much as at a risk, it's also a great opportunity uh, and within the business, we're all excited about, you know, the journey that we've taken here. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I can't imagine, like, it's such a, a quantum leap. Like when you, yeah. you think of like the business model that you have at the moment and you go back in the previous years and then you look at the future, I, it's quite intimidating. It's very intimidating to think, how do we make this change? But you, you, as long as you have a plan, you have small steps, make sure everyone's on the same page, make sure your customers on the same page, as you mentioned, and it's just working towards that same, that same goal. Yeah, look, and there's other companies that'll be on the same journey, but um, look, we, we're excited. We, we think it's a challenge. It's not an easy challenge, but it's one that we need to get right. So we're, uh, we're very clear on what we need to do there. And I also saw on your website that you had some information about a reconciliation plan. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, look, I think, um, again, being based in Australia, it's something that just can't, it just can't be ignored, you know? And if I... I think about us as a company just in general. You know, we've always been a company that is uh, always valued the importance of diversity just in general, especially as we've globalized as a company. And I know even locally, we talk about uh, what we need to do is create a safe, fair, and inclusive environment. So just in general, we, we've got that underlying uh, mandate. And um, if you think about our engagement uh, to date, the last 30 years, you know, we, we've been engaging with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities by providing power in the remote areas. Um, so we've been doing that, you know, since, we, well, since, we've, since we've been there. So we know it's important to get that right and we value the need to get that right, you know. Uh, but, you know, to achieve our vision of reconciliation, we continually just look at how we can build just stronger relationships you know, develop genuine understanding and, and respect by engaging with our employees, um, you know, the customers and suppliers. It needs to be a combined effort. And uh, but underlying that, it's all about that safe, fair, and inclusive environment. But um, the wrap, which you'll be familiar with, you know, we've got our innovative wrap, which is the, the roadmap how we get there. And, you know, it's a formal approach that we've got. And, you know, what we're doing is approaching it through you know, engaging with our employees, you know, focusing on cultural learning and building a respectful working environment, uh, which will just give us the foundation of how we're going to achieve that. But, um, you know, as you can appreciate, uh, you know, when you're working in these remote communities, it's important that we get it right and we have a positive engagement and, and, and experience as well for them. So, you know, we're quite committed in the journey. We've started this probably about three or four years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been endorsed by the uh, uh, Reconciliation Australia. And now what we're doing is, is going on the roadmap to, to make sure that we've got that positive engagement and, and hopefully we have a positive impact in the journey that we've taken on. And then you add those couple of things. And then Agreco was also the winner of the 2021 HRA Rental Company of the Year, which is a great achievement. Yeah. So how does that make you feel and what, what does that mean to a Greco? Yeah, look, it's interesting. And, uh, and, and look, 
lucky enough, actually, one of our technicians took a photograph recently of one of their jobs in the remote area, and we won the, the best photograph of the year. So hey, we're just on a we're on a good roll. So, but uh, look, we entered um, we entered put, put an application in probably about, uh, two or three years ago now. And obviously, COVID uh, put a halt to that uh, the first time. And uh, but what we thought we want to do is just maybe share our story. You know what we've been working on. We've been working on so many different things. And, and the association actually caught my attention on gender diversity. And it's one of these things that said, look, we can you know, participate and maybe get more involved with the, with the association. So part of it was just to share the story. And um, you know, what, we've been, what we shared, the judges came into the facility and spent time with our, our, our employees and all the functions. But you know, what we're trying to share is what the transformation we've been focusing on was the, the digitalization program We've been doing for the last five years. Uh, you know, we spoke also about some of the new technology with batteries, renewables, and, and what we were doing there in that space. Um, you know, shared the safety and the customer experience. Uh, you know, what we we're doing there, and also at the time, you know, a couple of years ago, we just launched our community engagement program, which already a difference. So there was a lot of things we felt like this may be a good time to participate in the association, just share you know what we've been up to and share the story. That we've got, and also, you know, we communicated our diversity and inclusion strategy, which included the RAP, but also at the time we were very clear on what we were trying to do with the, the gender diversity and, and encourage, you know, more female technicians into what would be a typical male-dominated environment in the, the rental industry. And again, I think the association were doing a really good job, also, of uh, you know trying to you know, encourage and support uh, more diversity. Uh, and that's kind of what caught my attention originally uh, to connect with them. So so that was that. But look, on the night, it was a, uh, it was in the Gold Coast. It was a great, uh, great opportunity after being in lockdown to get out of, the, out of Melbourne. So went up there and, and honestly, we had, um, it was just a big surprise. You know, the, they're, they're rolling out all the awards and uh, for equipment supplies and higher. And uh, when it says that Greco was a winner, you know, I was, I was just blown away. I just wasn't expecting it. You know, I was quite happy just to, you know, put the application in and, and uh, had the judges come around, etc. And I think I was a bit excited in my, my, my acceptance speech where they all thought it was a bit like Braveheart. It was <laughs> probably hard to understand. But, uh, you know, one thing that the judges also mentioned and, uh, you know, it was the, it was all about the people, you know, and it very much the people industry being in the rental sector and, you know, we just want to acknowledge the, the, the staff, the people that do it every day at the front end, and especially being through so much change. And so is the industry, but it's them, you know, it's the staff that get up every morning, just make things happen, you know. So so that was that. And what was nice about it, though, is just coming back uh, with all the changes and the transformation we've been going through, just to just to acknowledge the staff, and especially with COVID. It was just a great, great recognition uh, just to share with uh, the employees in the business for all that hard work behind the scenes. You know, there's an industry recognition there from the judges that uh, visited uh, the facility and so on. So, yeah, it was special. It was a really nice, nice set of work. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, congratulations again. It's the, the HRA do a, a great job as an industry association. And as you mentioned, they've got some great programs, which I always try and promote, which is the Women in Hire program and the Young yeah. Professionals Network. Uh, they do a great yeah. job there. So anyone listening that's interested in getting more involved in that, definitely reach out to them and they can help you out. And look, being in the global company, just to, to give them a plug too, is the standards here are as good as anywhere. You know what I mean? So it's what they've got is uh, 
to support the higher industry and some of the things that you've just spoken about. It, it, it's right on point. So well done to all the training that they provide as well, especially for the smaller companies. I think it's great what they do there. Mm, definitely. So let's learn a little bit more about you. Who yep. do you think played a big influence in your career from a mentor perspective? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one, actually. It's interesting. Uh, and I've been very fortunate to have, you know, been connected with so many influential people. Um, but, and I've been on mentorship programs as well in the journey that I've been on. But, um, you know, one of the things that, I'd say that it's a constant with me is I've crossed paths with impressive people throughout my career. Um, and, and there's been some people that, you know, they've really impressed me and they've got certain qualities. And I've always just looked at that and tried to grab onto some of these things. And, and now and again, you know, when you take it into the business, sometimes you'll be thinking, well, what would they do in this situation? You know what I mean? So that kind of keeps me refreshed uh, to do that. Or perhaps, you know, I capture what some people are doing and, uh, and, and no shame at all. You know, I think about, wow, I'm impressed with that and what can I do to make some adjustments in doing that? And the other thing is, being in a global company, you know, there's so many peers and, and leaders that you've got. It's always constant. You've got people around you. So I don't think there's been anything particular within the industry, you know, without trying to undo any of these leaders, there's been a, you know, quite a lot of leadership that, uh, you know, just grabbed my attention. And I use that to take on into my own style and, and um, part of a mentorship thing. If I say what's outside, uh, you know, the things that grab my attention is, is um, you know, I'm always looking at leadership in general and, and thinking, wow, and just getting impressed. You know, we're reading the book or two, but, you know, people completely outside the industry would be someone like Alex Ferguson from Sports. And I've always made my connections to sport as well, but someone that can stay at the top of the game 20 years and, and motivate people every day in a business environment that changes every year with people that are paid a fortune. I'm always uh, looking at some of the traits and, you know, the humbleness, the hard working, and, you know, staying connected to the staff and, and little things like that. I think these things are, are transferable. And, uh, you know, what I tend to do nowadays is, you know, I like looking at being podcast. There's always a little, you know, a bit of gold dust you'll pick up there of TED Talks and, and business case studies. And to me, that's the new world of mentorship. You know what I mean? And it's there at your fingertips. Um, and to me, that, that keeps me quite refreshed uh, just in general. So that's, um, you know, I think that's what's, uh, you know, given me a lot of grounding as well, just being around people and just learning all, all the time, you know. Yeah, we're talking about leadership with Sir Alex Ferguson. I think Manchester United needs some leadership at the moment after losing 5-0 to Liverpool. Yeah, <laughs> they've, uh, they've completely lost it. I don't know what they're going to do next, but it doesn't look good for them right now, that's for sure. No, no, it should be tough. So if you could give some advice to your younger self, what would you say? Yeah, it's uh, interesting. It's, like I've made lots of mistakes, so there'd be lots of things I could say. But, um, you know, one of the, the things I would say is, you know, you know, don't, uh, you know, make the most of every day. You know what I mean? Don't waste a day. You know what I mean? I've always, um, I've always said that in me. Don't stop learning and just be who you are. You know, don't never try to be anything you're not. Just be who you are. It's just strengths. Everyone's got strengths. You know, learn and just don't waste a day. And, for, you know, one thing that over the years is, you know, life's never going to go as you, you wish it's going to go. You know, you just, 
you know, you're going to have obstacles. Just work hard and you'll overcome these obstacles. And I've always loved the saying, you know, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. You know, if you're going to do something, if you commit to something, yep, have a better outcome. You know, you'll get success. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a few things there. But, um, but you know, you know, don't be afraid to make decisions. You know, as long as you make more right ones than wrong ones, it's, uh, you know, it's just, you know, part of being what you need to do. You need to do stuff and mm. be, be involved and so on. So, yeah, I definitely feel the need never to waste a day. You know, you got to make the most of every day you get. You know? Yeah, definitely. And if you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would, who would it be and why? I think Ferguson. I would, uh, he's alive. I, I, um, I think that would be a definite for me. The other one which um, really captures my attention is Mandela. For a different reason, I just don't know how he was able to, you know, overcome his anger and his situation and get the balance. You know, I just, I, I think it's just, um, you know, you know what he's done there is just, it's just, just amazing. You know what I mean? I, I think. Uh, that would be definitely the two that I would be a jump at. And, and one, just a wee bit of fun. And because I'm Scottish, probably Slovak Billy Conley. I just like having a laugh. So <laughs> I think, I don't think he's got long left. But, uh, you know, I think whatever you do in life, you need to have a good time. And I'd make sure I'd, uh, I'd have someone like that. that uh, you, know, you, you know, again, you know, you said that there are all these people just had interesting backgrounds and, and uh, diverse careers or whatever it may be but um mm. you know, i always uh, always think you, you can't take life too serious either so you know i have uh, i have a good enjoyable dinner i'm sure with uh, billy conley that's for sure that's funny and finally how do you define success yeah look success for me it's it, i don't think it's just business i think it's both personal and business you need to get the two of them you know what i mean i think that's so important to get there and to me it's about it's underpinned by having a deliberate effort to achieve a positive outcome or goal. You know, and I think that's an important thing for me is, is being deliberate about, you know, whatever your intentions are, but being deliberate and get that positive outcome. Um, another thing about that positive outcome or goal is, is to do it in a way that sits with your values. You know I mean? It, 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 you're comfortable with it. And um, I think that's very important when it comes to success. And, and lastly, I, I think it can be quite lonely without sharing it with people. So, I think the ultimate is to do it, you know, either with a family or in a community or in a team environment or whatever it may be. You know, I think that's another thing that I think defines success as well is when you do it in that togetherness and when you share it with others. I think that, you know, to me, that's pretty important. It's, uh, you know, what uh, I get a kick out of as much as anything else is, you know, doing things with others, you know, for sure. Mm. Very nice. All right, George. Well, thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Excellent. And thanks for your time. Thanks for the opportunity. Take care. Please like, share, follow the Rental Journal podcast, and we'll see everyone next week.